Welcome to the Common Ground Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rawlings and... Kevin Whitham. Well, we want to welcome you again to our Common Grounds Unity podcast, uh, where we have great conversations uh, with like-minded believers who have an interest in unity. Um, our podcast is designed to bring people from all streams of the Stone Campbell movement um, to get to know one another more, to, to be blessed by uh, different folks within the movement who bring different areas of, of expertise and interest. And we happen to have with us uh, Dr. Tim Willis, who is a professor uh, of religion at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California. It's a university uh, affiliated with Churches of Christ. And uh, Tim, it is so good to have you back with us. I might also add not only is Tim as a, a professor, he is also a church elder. He is a, one of the shepherds at the Conejo Valley Church of Christ in Thousand Oaks, California. So he's both engaged in the life of the scholar and in the academic world, but also in the life of the church. My co-host is with me as well. Hi, Megan. guys. Yeah, it's me, Megan, and I am so excited to be continuing this conversation with Dr. Willis and with you, Kevin. Um, last week, we had addressed um, the promise to Abraham of all people and all nations um, being a and Christians being a, his seed and the blessings that came from that, and then as well as being the blessing for people. So we're blessed and we're blessings. Can you just continue that um, where you left off from last week? Sure, Megan. Uh, wow. This is such a, a huge topic. I mean, I, I've got just scads of, of passages we could look at. So one, one of the, the difficulties I have is just narrowing it down to a, a few and then encouraging people, pull out your concordance in your Bible and look up some more of these things. But in, in particular, um, the idea of um, the seed of Abraham being a blessing. And like I, I said last week, uh, I think sometimes uh, Christians are, are, are steered off a, a little bit uh, unintentionally by Paul uh, when he, he talks about how Jesus, in a sense, is the seed of Abraham, and and we think of then the, the blessings that you know come from Jesus in particular, but the idea of the seed of Abraham being a blessing to all nations is throughout the Old Testament as well. Now, th th this is not to diminish what Jesus does, but to show how the you know as he says at the end of Galatians three, we are all the seed of Abraham, so we are participating with Jesus in some ways in bringing blessing to all, all nations. So let, let's go back to Abraham and um, how he and his family 
are to be blessings. And, uh, and of all places, this comes at the beginning of the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> what a place to talk about blessings. But I, I, frankly, I think it's here because I, I think we're supposed to see the contrast between the curse that, that comes with wickedness, like you see at Sodom, and the blessings that come with the righteousness that, be with, that, that come with being uh, Abraham and a part of his seed. But in any case, uh, in, in Genesis 18, as, as this story is just getting started, uh, God says, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? This is in verse 17. And then verse 18, he says, Abraham surely will become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Why? Verse 19, because I have chosen him. Now it's literally, I have known him. And we'll come back around to that in a bit. But I have chosen him so that he will direct his children, you know, his seed, his children, and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Now, here's the idea. I, I think of what's, what's going on in this passage. Uh, I, I think what, uh, we're, what we're being told here is how this being blessed and being a blessing go together. They are uh, you know, interlocked with, with, with one another. Here, here's what I mean is that the reason why the reason why God blesses Abraham and his descendants is so that they will then be enabled to bless others now think about that uh, let me let me put it in in modern terms you know uh, in, in in America right now how often do we hear God bless America and boy we should yeah we should be calling on God to bless America. But to what end? If the end is so that America will be blessed and, and you know, rich and powerful and, you know, and strong and admired, we're not seeing the Christian perspective on why we should call to be blessed, why we should ask God to bless America. Because what, what is taught is... We should, we should want to be blessed so that we can then participate with God in blessing others. That's, that's a different attitude uh, toward blessing and a different attitude of how we should receive blessings. I mean, I, it, this has been difficult for me to start thinking, okay, you know, I've been kind of blessed in my life. Mm, I'm being convicted here that I'm supposed to be doing something for others. Mm with the way God has blessed me. Ooh, and you, you, you talk about being convicted. Eh, I'm still struggling with that one. Well, and that, that so moves us away from this idea. Uh, you often hear the language of a personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it just takes the focus off of me just receiving and walking with him, mm -hmm. but me being put here and being blessed with a purpose uh, to, to bless the people around me. I, I think so often in the Christian faith, we're focused on that 
me and God aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that's that's rich. Yeah. Continue. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, here, here, maybe another time I can we can come back and talk about what it is to be made in the image of God because I think that that's a part of this as well. Um, that again, that we are participating in the work of God, in the work of blessing the world around us. Uh, but let me just, uh, you know, kind of pull out a, a couple of other, and there's, I've got a couple of dozen examples here about the talk of doing justice and righteousness, which, you know, it's, it's all over the Old Testament and kind of spills into the New Testament as well. Um, but let me just give you a, a, a couple of examples. Uh, I'll, I'll start with, with this one, just to show, again, how, um, you know, this is a part of the, uh, you know, right at the heart, not just a part of, but it's, a, it's at the heart of the uh, promises, the covenant with Abraham. Uh, think about this here's a, a psalm that maybe people know about, but if they don't, they really should look at it again. Look at Psalms 72. Psalm 72. Uh, this is the one psalm in the book of Psalms that is said to be of Solomon, of all people. And think about Solomon. You know, how much was he blessed, right? How much did God give him? Yes. And then here, here's the way the psalm begins. He says, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. There they are, justice and righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones, with justice. And he, he goes on with that. And there's uh, another section in verses, uh, what, 12 through 14, at least where he talks about what that means. It, it, that has to do with delivering the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help them. It's, it's that sort of thing. Because what is, what's going on with the king who's so blessed? The blessings that he has are his means, his enabling to bless others. That's what the king is supposed to do. What an idea. What a concept. Mm. But then also slide down to verse 17. Again, talking about the king, may his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then, then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Doesn't that sound like the promise to Abraham? Absolutely. See, so th this is what the king is supposed to be doing. But I think the king is just supposed to be leading all the people in doing this. Let, 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 me, let me back this up a little bit, because I, I, I lay this out, in a, I sketch it out in that, that commentary that, that uh, Kevin mentioned last week in, in Jeremiah in the introduction there. Um, there's the series of covenants in the Old Testament. You start with Abraham, and, and here we're, we're seeing how what's going on here is that Abraham and his family are to be blessed so that they can be a blessing to others. And frankly, I, I usually tell my students, this is God's plan B for fixing the world, repairing the world. Plan A was a flood. This is plan B. Yes. All right. Well, then you move forward several generations, several centuries to Moses, and you get the laws of Moses 
And I really think that the purpose of the laws of Moses are to spell out what does it mean to be the, the family of God who does justice and righteousness, because that's their purpose. And so there's a bunch of laws that, that you know get into these things of how do you treat the poor? Well, remember how you were treated when you were poor. How do you treat slaves? Re- remember how you were treated when you were slaves. And on and on it goes. You can look at Deuteronomy uh, 24, for example. All right? So notice how those covenants work together. But then there's another covenant, a covenant with the kings, with the line of David. What's the purpose of that covenant? It's to say, this is the royal family. This is these these are the you know this is the family that the kings are going to come from. Eventually, it's going to be the one that Jesus comes from. Mm-hmm. But what is the function? What is the role of the king in the nation? It's to get this nation that is forgetting about or losing sight of how they're supposed to be doing justice and righteousness, and it's supposed to be pulling them back into that by getting them to follow the laws of Moses, so that by following the laws of Moses, they can fulfill their purpose as the seed of Abraham. And then there's one other covenant, the covenant that comes up in Jeremiah, what we call the new covenant, which is discussed in the book of Hebrews and is talked about as what we live under, the new covenant, you know, that's there in in Jeremiah 31. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is said, uh, uh, there's four characteristics that are given there of this new covenant. Number one, that the laws will be written on your heart. Number two, that I will be your God and you will be my people. There's that personal relationship that goes all the way back to Abraham. Number three, though, this is the one I want to focus on. He says, all of them, every single one of them will know the Lord, will know the Lord. Now, what does that mean, though? What do they mean by know the Lord? Well, they give us one example, as Jeremiah does, in Jeremiah chapter 22. He's talking to a couple of kings, father and son. He's talking to the son, a king named Jehoiakim, who ain't as good as his old man, Josiah. And he says to Jehoiakim in the middle of the chapter, Woe to the one who builds his palace with unrighteousness, his upper rooms with injustice. You see the opposite. And he goes on. But then he talks about Josiah, the father. What did he do in verse 16? He, Josiah, he defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and all went well with him. And isn't that what it means to know me, declares the Lord? Mm-hmm. You see? So here we are. We live in under the new covenant established by Jesus on, on the basis of his blood. And according to the description that Jeremiah gives of that new covenant, a part of that is that every single one of us should know the Lord. And to know the Lord is to defend the cause of the poor and the needy, among other things. It's to do justice and righteousness. Talk talk about those two words, if you could, for just a couple of moments. 
Because you find it there in Genesis 18, and you find it, those two words coupled together, justice and righteousness. Yeah, and there, there's a whole bunch of times that you do, a whole bunch of times. Um, it's a bit frustrating to me because the, the terms are, are so big that they're almost nebulous. They're almost, um, uh, you know, nonspecific. But it's, it's kind of like, uh, I, I compare it with Jesus saying, how will people know that you are my disciples? You're going to love one another. Okay, so, you know, what does that mean? That's a big word. Love is a big, broad word that makes us feel good. But boy, d- define love in a given situation. Mm, that's tough to do. How, how would you define love right now in our churches, in, in our country? What does love look at look like when you know, here you are as a as a as a minister, a pastor, looking out to your congregation, and you're seeing people out there who better not be talking to each other on social media because of where they stand politically, and you're telling them to love one another. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Oh, that's that's you know, it can sound nice and rosy, but there's some specific meaning to that in a given situation. And the same is true with doing justice and righteousness. Doing justice and righteousness. What does that involve? I think at at its core, it means going all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 through 9 and understanding recognizing what it is to say that every single human being, male and female, is made in the image of God, and honoring that part of who they are. All right, now now think about the implications of that. Um, in, in In the laws, when it talks about doing justice, doing righteousness, in particular it says, don't play favorites. Don't play favorites for the, the wealthy. Don't even play favorites for the poor. Treat everyone with justice. Everyone with justice and everyone with righteousness as they deserve to be treated as human beings, as creatures who, who bear the image of God himself. So, so this equitability is a part of that. That's a part of it, yeah. And it's really about honoring, honoring, respecting. Uh, my dad used to say it this way. We talked about how my dad is uh, a retired Old Testament professor. He used to say over and over again, uh, you know, what, what you see in the Old Testament is, is the, the, the writers talking about man's inhumanity to man. In other words, human beings treating other be- human beings as less than human beings. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, the, what resonates with me is I, I tell my students, it's, it's like, here, here we are, here we're human beings. Some of us have advantages. And injustice is to use an advantage to take advantage of somebody else's disadvantage. <laughs> Oh, well said. And and so then justice 
is not to not to leverage that. Justice is to have an advantage and use it to alleviate someone else's disadvantage. This is great. So I'm going to ask you a question. How does God's instruction in the Old Testament concerning the aliens and foreigners, how does that apply to us or inform us today within the church, within the kingdom of God as a whole? Well, I, I think that's that's the primary way in which we are supposed to bear fruit. All right? You go, what, what, where is he going with this? Where is this coming from? <laughs> I was about to ask. Yeah, bearing fruit. Let me give you uh, two passages. I've um, spoken on this recently at, at our church. Um, one from the Old Testament and then a couple from the New. In the Old Testament, there's a, a, a prophecy from Isaiah about justice and righteousness. Isaiah chapter 5, it's rather famous. Isaiah chapter 5, he talks about Israel uh, as, a, as a vineyard and Judah as the vine that God planted. And, and all the things that God did to bless Israel you know, and Judah so that they would produce fruit. And throughout that passage, he says, you know, I, I did these uh, things for them and I expected certain things. And at the end, he says, so I expected, I was looking for, I expected justice, but no. And I was expecting righteousness, but no. And there's some word plays going on there. But th- my, my point is that, it's, again, it's the, this idea of God blessing with the expectation that the one blessed would then be able to bless others. And boy, when, when that doesn't happen, he says, so what, are, what should I do with a vine like this that doesn't produce good fruit? good tasting grapes, good tasting wine that would be justice and righteousness. He said, I tear it down, trample it, destroy the, the vineyard, start all over. I think Jesus and John are talking about the same sort of thing back in the New Testament again, when they're talking about the fruits of repentance. And Jesus uh, is, is talking in, uh, in John 15 about being uh, branches of his vine and bearing fruit and loving one another. Hmm. So I, I think that's what's going on with, with justice and righteousness. Now, in, in our society, uh, we tend to think of you know, justice. We talk about social justice, and we're thinking of big political programs that need to be implemented to take care of, you know, uh, social problems and economic problems that people face. But I think for us as Christians, we need to pull away from that, uh, you know, not because that's necessarily evil or anything, but we don't need, uh, what I'm concerned with is that we relegate that to the big institutions, when justice and righteousness is something that individuals should be involved in, in, in some way. I mean, we, we, can't, we can't fix, you know, individually, we cannot fix our communities, but we can address the, the uh, you know, the disadvantages in the people that we meet, in our, in our neighbors, in our fellow believers sometimes. And we need to have our eyes open and our hearts open to, to doing that. 
Tim, this has been not just a great conversation. This has been a great Bible study. I've been here with my Bible open, uh, writing references down and reading along with you. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge for us is, is to take this and ask, well, how does this transform uh, the way I look at the way God uses my life and the way I let him use me and our churches? Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I think it's it's uh, too easy to say, well, we'll relegate those things to government programs when, you know, God's calling his people. Um to be his presence and to be that blessing. So boy, rich, challenging things we've talked about here. And I can't thank you enough. uh, Kevin, I think in some ways our our missionaries have picked up on this, that, you know, in in our lifetimes, we've seen how missions has shifted from simply persuading people in other countries of the rightness of our doctrine to how can we, you know, alleviate their suffering and, and help them, you know, improve their lives. I think that's a part of what we're supposed to be doing and certainly not neglecting. <laughs> right. The, 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 you know, the bringing people to faith in Christ. Sh- sharing the love and gospel of Christ by showing the love and gospel of Christ. Right. right. And, and, and hopefully enabling them to do justice and righteousness in their own communities. Yes. Dr. Willis, one of the things that we like to ask our guests at the end of our conversations, um, as you know, the uh, Common Grounds Unity was formed um, with over coffee. And we say conversation begins with a cup of coffee. So our last question, the final question we have for you is, how do you take your coffee? I, I take it, I, I well, I start off with half and half cream. A little layer at the bottom. Put in some uh, two teaspoonfuls of artificial sweetener, and then pour away. Ah, awesome! Well, <laughs> hey, listen. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being a guest. Um, we really appreciate the time you've taken out, Kevin. What do you got for us? Well, Tim, just want to say again, along with Megan, um, so good to be with you today. Such good things to be talking about. Such a good conversation. We'd love to do it again with you in the future if you'll come back. Uh, so thank you for for sharing your time with us. I, I, I'd be I'd be honored to. I, I just cannot tell you how humbled I am that you would turn to me and ask about this stuff. And uh, I'm just I just love sharing it. Well, we've been blessed, and you've been a blessing to us, and I know to our listeners. So I want to invite everybody to join us again next week. We'll have another podcast with some interesting conversation coming back be with us see you guys next time thank you for listening to the common grounds unity podcast with megan and kevin please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are there are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles join the facebook group or find our youtube channel we've also provided a link in the show notes for comments You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.